Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor of Publishers Weekly as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. You can find us on Twitter at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right. This week on More to Come, Supergirl Power. All right. The New York Review of Comics, Attack on Mainstream. Uh, Masashi Kishimoto visits New York. Uh, Books and cons to come. And let's get right to it. Supergirl, super power, super TV show. Super TV. Well, super uh, rating. It's not super. Solid, solid rating. So, yeah, uh, Supergirl yeah. had its pilot uh, debut uh, broadcast on Monday night. This yep. is the first solo female-led yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, TV show, superhero, in more than 40 years since Wonder Woman. Although there was Birds of Prey. Birds of yeah. Prey. No one ever talks about Birds of As Prey. As someone who, who loves that, so. the comic, <laughs> um, I will I will never stop being better. Ever. Oh, oh. There you go. That's what I thought. Uh, That's what I thought. Um, yeah, it only yeah. lasted six episodes. But anyway, Supergirl, <laughs> I think, is gonna, already has a full season commitment. And uh, well, They're I, hyping it. Big they time. are hyping it. And I will tell you, there has been some kind of uh, Warner Brothers initiative where they did some research and I've been told that they did do research. I don't know if it was throughout Warner Brothers, if it was at DC Comics or where it was, but they definitely did some research that said, you know what? Uh, the female audience is important. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, this came as a real uh, initiative. Yeah. No, it's like a real surprise. Maybe, maybe they're just listening to more to just, come. Just a real uh, interesting thing for some people to learn because if you look everywhere, there is diversity. And at New York Comic Con, one of the big pushes that they did was they had a whole separate area set aside for uh, DC superhero girls. Uh, and it yes, was always swarmed. It was. It was Always swarm. Always swarm. And, and so was everything. But so no, yeah, but, yeah, but, but even so. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, well, not everything. The librarians apparently did not, uh, on TNT, apparently did not know how to run a booth because they had an entrance marked, with not marked, and an exit marked. And, like, there was no, I, I was like, is anybody here? They didn't want anybody. You could only leave, but you couldn't enter. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, reverse it's Hotel an, California. An, ex, an existential, yeah. you know, paradox. Yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, this discussion is, is, is leeching off into the broader culture. Didn't the Times have a story this morning just about little girls in Captain America costumes? Uh, it, it did. There's just been a, yeah, a I plethora, mean, I mean, just like a, a swarm, I mean, yeah. of stories. There was just a, a column began. Um, you know, I, ladies and gentlemen, I've been covering this field a long time. And uh, if you told me that this is what I'm about to tell you was going to happen, I would have said, no way, Jose. Uh, but... Uh, Teen Vogue online. Just I am looking at it right now. Yes, Kate is looking at it. I didn't make it up. But what's it called, Kate? It says, I'm a girl. I'm a huge fan of comics. Here's why you should be too. Five easy tips to plunge you into a world of Marvel. So yes, instead of five, five easy tips for, uh, say, other things like 
eyeliner or whatever. This time it's comics. Yes, sirree. And I mean, if you we like that, like this is definitely the the you know third rail of uh, nerd culture here. And uh, the five tips are: com- superheroes are just what's part just part of what comics are about. You can choose how you like to read them. My goodness, comics drop on Wednesdays. Superhero books shouldn't be so confusing, and comics are for everyone. Wow. Okay. This is a real... Okay. I, and I, I, I can teeny, actually uh, The writer's name is Teeny Howard, I believe, or Teeny... Yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. And she is a comics writer. Uh-huh. I assume she's a... Also a, a Teen a, Vogue writer. Yes, a Teen Vogue writer. And uh, But, you know, you never in a billion, gabillion, sure. gajillion years would have seen comics in Vogue or anything that was even remotely co- you know, connected to Condé Nast unless it was a New Yorker cartoon. So this is really, this, you know, we've won. I, let's just throw well, it down. Dro- mic drop, people. Mic yeah, drop. Yes, yes. It's you know, <laughs> true. It's true. You know, our work here is done. I know. I, I, there were so many times of late that I really do feel like doing the mic drop. That's like, you know what? I tried so hard to tell people that this was going to happen and uh, you know now everybody believes it yeah. so I was right I was right I was right yeah. you were well, right you called it I was right yeah let's talk about the show a little bit more because yeah. I mean I'm curious to see how this developed I think one of the things we've been seeing with a lot of these sh- superhero shows is that the, the all the elements for it to be a satisfying experience are there even if they if it doesn't work right at first and we've seen these shows get better and more popular they, as they've gone forward they mm-hmm. do seem to have in common with science fiction shows that they tend to not start as strong as they end up yeah, like, even though the, there the elements are there. I mean, right, from like, Gotham, uh, no, from no, all of these but, shows. But, 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 you know, there's a difference between Gotham and Supergirl, which oh, is that uh, it's a completely different production crew. Now, mm. Supergirl is by the very successful uh, Greg Berlanti house yeah. that they do mm. uh, already, The Flash and Arrow. Now, okay. I don't watch those. I watched, yeah. uh, I watched, those. I watched a couple I watched of episodes, the beginning of them. and I enjoyed them. I could see yeah. how well done they were. But, you know, I just I don't, haven't had time with the, uh, following no, the Mets uh, for the last yeah. few years to, to watch any TV aside from the Mets. And so... Uh, Anyway, but I, I, I hear that, uh, you know, Gary, Keith, and Ron, they are my soap opera. <laughs> and Jarius. Oh, why, why, why? Ron's been but, good on the, uh, <laughs> on the other network. Anyway, a bit, all right. Swerve anyway. back. But, um, but let's talk about these stars. But, 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 that's but, where... but, 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 you know, just before we launch into this discussion, I just want to throw one other thing out there, though, because mm-hmm. I think the origin story of this show is very, very interesting mm. because it's very clearly meant to be the superhero show that is aimed at the teen Vogue crowd. Yes, you know, it's clearly. very clearly meant to be mm-hmm. like this kind of superpowered fantasy for the same kind of female viewer, young female viewer, mm-hmm. who would enjoy uh, Gilmore Girls or Gossip. What or I that think kind is interesting thing. is so, that this one's not on the CW. Yes. Because um, part of the way that DC's television branding ended up so woman-friendly is because it was on the CW, and the CW, even when they're trying to market things to boys, are in full market things to girls and gay men. Um, <laughs> like as, Arrow. As witness Arrow and the shirtless pull-ups at the beginning of every single episode. I know, I need to start watching this show. Um, you know, and so they were like, well, we seem to have female fans, that's cool, we sort of accidentally got them, we like them, um, because CW is basically the teen girl network. And um, so it's interesting that their one show with a female protagonist is not is the one that's not on the Teen Girl Network. Yeah, it is. Um, it, is it is interesting, which is acceptable. To but me. I, you Just know, curious. I think C- CBS is is an interesting network as well because they do kind of have the older skewing kind of folksy, folksy kind of things. And and now you know, I mean, the show and Supergirl is wholesome. Yes, and she is very wholesome. And, yeah. uh, and you know, if you want to talk about the show. 
Um, Calvin and I have seen it. Uh, Kate hasn't, but mm. she's very wise in the ways of watching she's, trailers. She's, some of the she knows enough to talk about it, so we're not yeah, going to spoil yeah. too much about it. But I, I, Kate, because she didn't know. All right, uh, Supergirl is Superman's cousin. Okay. Yes, so, I. Oh, I was aware. Oh, oh, okay. Because right, I have right. read comics. <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, but I found the show very charming, and the, yeah. most mostly because of the star. The star Melissa, is it, what's her name again? Melissa B- Benoist. B- I don't know how yeah. to say her name. Benoist or ben- yeah. yeah. But she's she's. The, Everything starts with She's her. She's great. She's, She's really fabulous. She's fabulous. charming uh, from the beginning to end. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was my same response. I like. I, I mean, I did check and I noticed the beat did an actual roundtable mm-hmm. on the pilot. And um, uh, you know, I can't say I agree with everything, but I think it came off of there that people were impressed with it. I was impressed with the show, and I have some some problems with some. Uh, there's some sappier moments in it, uh, particularly about her relationship with Superman. Yeah. It's kind of whatever. And some of the writing was uh, very clunky. Clunk, clunk, clunk. But, but the performances, her ability yeah. to be charming, bubbly, serious, to go back and forth, she's very good at She's very convincing. Yeah. So the only two female characters I read about her interacting with in the pilot, she has a troubled relationship with both of them. Does she have... Any are there any like positive female relationships in this? Ah, uh, interesting question. Well, I, I think mean, there's a complex relationship with her sister. Yeah, yeah. I mean. but I just was wondering, like, to leaven things out. I, or, but I, I would, I, I, I think it's interesting. I think you know they don't have the classic kind of best friend character on there, which so many, well, so many, the, the, the dude. Well, it's a dude. But that's going to be, it's a, but it's a, a guy. Weird, yeah, yeah, but it's also a, weird a guy. Love triangle yeah. So, so developing. I mean, that is not. I mean, Kate has an interesting yeah. because I mean, maybe you know, obviously, it's only the pilot. You never yeah. really know yeah. from the pilot, and you don't necessarily need to be like the best friend. Just like it's, it's just there is a thing with women in fiction where sometimes there's the whole Smurfette principle, where like there's one female character who's the good, sympathetic one, and all other women are inferior to her. And I'm just yes, very and like well, very well put. Yes, and um, you know, like I I should hope that this is not something that Supergirl does. Well, it's hard to tell from the pilot because, because it's just the pilot. But there so. are more, uh, should we say, villainous females to come. Yeah. Well, I mean that's fine, but yeah. I just meant to balance things out. I mean, yeah. we're half well, the well, maybe well, we're half the, the supervillains. Uh, Calista Flockhart plays Cat Grant, yes, who's that's the J. Jonah name. Jam- yes, Jameson yeah. of the of the show, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, cross between J. Jonah Jameson and. Um, and, and, and uh, the Devil Wears Prada, so uh, yeah, where yeah. where Supergirl has this yeah. uh, job as a put upon assistant to a high powered executive, and uh, they, they and Jimmy Olsen has been repurposed for yes, this show in the, the person of Mecca, yes, so Mecca Brooks. You know, I think so he's a hunky black guy, yeah, now, um, for well, sure. So, well, yeah, I think the idea was that once upon a time, yeah, he's earlier, he <laughs> yes, well, I'm sure the women will love him. He's, yeah. Yes, when he was but, younger. Uh, and a cub reporter or whatever, <laughs> he was Jimmy Olsen as witness Superman. But hey, he's had a chance to grow up now. Yeah. Well, he's and still so Superman's he can... best pal. Well, it's interesting that some I think some of the writers in my own uh, roundtable pointed out that he's kind of the uh, initiation character who yeah. who gives. Uh, Kara, her tokens of superherodom, and is yeah. the emissary mm. from her cousin Kal yeah. El, and so he kind he of has to, he's, he is kind of, of the, yeah. the the guide, her guide, yeah. on her heroic journey a little bit, which was interesting. Um, you know, I, I think. I, I, you know, for me, I'm j- very jaded about television, as you can tell from, you know, I listen. You're very jaded about a lot of things, I Heidi. am. And we watched Hellblazer, every episode of Hellblazer in my house. You know why? Well, we love the original character. The TV show was a very crappy interpretation of that character. But I thought that 
uh, Matt Ryan really had. Well, guess what? He's going to be showing up on Arrow. Yes, exactly. And I thought he had real spark as Constantine. Yeah. And that's what I watched it for. So, you know, if you like the people... You'll watch it, uh, even if it's crap. I well, mean, that's just I mean, how it is. Well, absolutely. no, if you like the people, and you'll the, watch the show until the plots go off the yes, cliff of yes, I can't stand it that's anymore. That's correct. That's correct. Um, which is what happened to me with Arrow because last season was a long arc of is he evil or not, and I hate is he evil or not arcs. I know. So, um, you know, I'll soon. start watching it again. Yeah. Too soon. Fat yeah. Elvis, man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, Green Arrow gets fat. That would be my storyline. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the Supergirl it shows a lot of promise. Uh, the special effects aren't bad. Um, I think some of her flying special effects, they, they, I found them all over back I'm and sure forth. Some they, of them were very good, and some I, of them you can almost see I the I think they probably hanging. spent more money on the pilot than they did on subsequent episodes, so yeah. I wouldn't expect to see those improve at all. But um, Unless they reuse them. But they are introducing a lot of characters from the DC universe. Yeah. I think mm. Red Tornado's coming very sadly in his male incarnation. Why can't it be Ma Hunkle? I'm just over and over again. If they only brought Ma Hunkle on, it would be so cool. Well, maybe we'll get her in a flashback. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's just <laughs> but, missing, um, missing, a, missing a boat there, people. Well, what? I still want fat, older Amanda Waller. I know, I know. <laughs> She's I know. supposed to be terrifying, yeah, well. not hot. Yeah, no, yeah. That is a well, big mist. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to watch another episode just for sociological yeah. reasons, uh, just to see how the show develops. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they did have, I mean, it's very self-aware about this audience. And, you know, they, they, they kind of, there is a scene in her development where uh, she tries on various outfits that are more revealing and rejects them. True. And she just says, I don't want to wear this. Yes. <laughs> Would you go out in public like this? And then she even comes out in the short skirt. And then in the later scene, she's wearing tights. So, yeah. and, uh, you know, so they've, they've given her that kind of girlish outfit. That's, but with tights. But with tights, so it's not. It's it's yes, it's no underpants. Shot. No yeah, underpants. No fan service. Well, I think of she might nature. be wearing briefs underneath. But, yeah. but, but, but I mean, you're you because she's wearing heavy tights, you won't see her underpants. Yes, right. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. That's very sense. And then they have the scene where uh, she doesn't want to be. Cat uh, Grant names the character Supergirl, and she says, "Really, is it yeah. going to be girl?" And then Cat Grant says, "Well, you know, I'm a girl, and I'm a powerful yeah, CEO, a... and I'm beautiful and popular." And yeah. <laughs> with this Callista Flockhart snarl on her so face, it so. was a very clever mm. anticipation. I thought, but, of, but, of, I mean, of I, criticism but, to come. But, but see, I do thought... think that they intentionally—they're using Supergirl not because the name Supergirl, not because this is what they would have named the character, but because this is what the character's already named. So I think they put that defense in there, but had it from an ambiguous character, so that it's not like the show is 100% endorsing this point of view. So, like, they're lampshading it, right. but yeah. they're not 100% yeah. endorsing it. Because, of course, it. Supergirl herself comes in and says, we can't name the character this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, just to, just to throw in there also the bit, most popular character uh, for Halloween is Harley Quinn, and uh, by a wide margin. And um, you know, they're beginning to release some of the materials for the Suicide Squad movie, which is coming out next August, mm-hmm. and a lot of Harley Quinn material. And you know, this is another very powerful character. I've seen some people say like, "Oh, I hope they have Power Girl on one of these shows." And you know, there is a whole subset of of. Um, <laughs> You know this universe that that people really want to see, and you know I said one thing in my roundtable. I'd love to know what you guys think of this. It's like they definitely want to appeal to a female audience, and I said if you 
look at the shows that traditionally really were of interest to female audience, they really have a big mythology, like Buffy or X-Files. Or, or all the Stargates. All the Stargates. Which, of course... Or Gargoyles, the cartoon. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's like women mm. really respond to this complicated world building. World building. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think that's a really important part. I mean, do you agree, Kate? I or? think women like um, characterization and world building. Yeah. Like, you have to have strong characters that people, like, are attached to, and then added to appealing and complex world building, and then that's how you get a hit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. so that's I my, mean, my I, note. I, I'm not sure if that isn't a description of almost any no, it's not. fantasy fan. No, it's not. Because mm-hmm. I will say that, like, there are a lot of shows that are heavier on the world building and less on the characters. Now, how would you describe something like Game of Thrones? I would say that actually Game of Thrones is a big hit with women except for in the last uh, but it's a big extra hit. rape. Yes, it is. But I mean, That's there's an overlap. Point. But see, there's... Okay. So there are a lot of shows that are more popular with a male audience than they are with sure. a female audience sure. that tend more toward like action of the week, less toward heavy world building. Let me put it this way. Well, it's I'm not sure that Game of Thrones... No, right, but, it, but, you know, but Game of Thrones... Game of, but it does. It does. But I'm saying that there's... But what I'm saying is when a fandom really gets invested in something... Like, yeah. for instance, let's just take X-Files as an example, yeah. okay? Like, fan fiction becomes a huge thing sure. about that. You know, if yeah. X-Files is still, like... You it's know, coming back. It's coming back, but, it, I mean, it's so big on Tumblr, and people sure. love getting yeah. involved. And it's, it's mostly female fans. Most fan fiction is written by female fans. Yeah, well, Kevin, what I mean is that there's, like, a Venn diagram yeah. of what's popular. There's a lot of stuff in the middle that are popular with women and men. Yeah, okay. But the things that are more popular with men than women tend to be the things that maybe are focused on another element more heavily well, than on Well, the... I would say, personally, I would say that the shows that have just really powerful female characters and complex mm, but female I, relationships, I, I, as opposed to... But no, I, I, I actually, like but I said, just women world building, because but no, 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 really, no, no. this is one of the most popular topics Across but, the board. You know, okay, I'll yeah. tell you, let me give you. No, In fact, no, no. Lurch no. is outside no. of the scientific, uh, the science mm. Well, let me give you an example. World building has become this effort, this literary. I'm, I'm not saying that no men like world yeah, building. No, no. I'm saying but that women, there's a, the women extra super no, like no, world building. No, what we're trying to say is there's a certain kind of world building mm-hmm. that women really okay. like. And I'll give you a perfect right, example yes. of it because it's very obscure, which is the TV show Gargoyles, okay? Yeah. This was, again, a 90s writer. People who loved it will never forget it. They will never forget it, and they still wanted to come back. But this show was created with a Bible that I'm holding my fingers two inches apart. It's a really big Bible Mm. that Greg Weissman, the guy who created it, purposely went in and created. Now, it had a lot of characterization. It had the good girl. It had the woman who was Beauty and the Beast. She was in love with the gargoyles. And then there was the bad gargoyle who had been in love. I mean, there was a lot of personal Mm. um, relationships in it. But it also had this backstory of what had happened and wood that was tied into their characters. And there was a very strong fandom that really loved that show, still loves that show, still writes fan fiction about that show. And incidentally, the guy who ran that is the guy who's now running the uh, Star Wars Rebels show, which incidentally is very good and has a giant, like, fervent fan base. Yeah, yeah. More on that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I you're, you're, you're right, but I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, there is a certain kind of yeah. material that the female 
fan base well, that a certain female I fan base disagree with that. really latches well, on. I, 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 I think know where we're insulting the male I, fan no, base. No, but we're my point about is that I think you're making it so broad that it becomes hard to really, no, really it's, it's kind of not. Like, okay. support. However, I certainly agree that there are certain kinds of world building that, that and, and the, in my view, the, the use of female characters that but, seem to see, make it a stronger franchise but, yeah. for women. But well, well I mean, I will opinion. say, see, unfortunately, I mean, for fortunately or unfortunately, this is detached from the, the female characters. Like, that will bring women in, but there are a lot of shows like this which are actually very bad on female characters. Like, for example, Supernatural, mm-hmm. where, I mean, like, if you ever want to get a feminist fan mad, start talking about Supernatural, even if they watch it, maybe especially if they like it. But where, you know, where there are these, like, all these deep relationships, world building, like, in a yeah, mythology thing, which makes it huge. And I mean, it's the most terrible show on but female it has characters a, ever. But it has a really strong fan base. But it's a huge female fan Absolutely, base yeah. because it's hitting all the other id yes, buttons. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I think they'd love it even more with a better female character, but the, yeah. they're they're happy well, with what they got. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I don't know. You know what? This is an interesting topic. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, yeah, that absolutely. obviously Calvin, being very intel- intelligent and smart and knowledgeable <laughs> about this, doesn't yeah. know what we're talking about. Well, but you and I know exactly. We know. We, we know, know exactly Remember, what I, we're talking about. I spend about. a lot of time sitting next to a woman watching a lot of of TV. Uh, so. Well, you know I what? Have you, know what? you know what? Let's circle back to this because <laughs> yeah, let's oh, yeah. get on with the news here. Yeah, so, yeah. so let's segue into there's a new um, comics imprint in town, yes, y'all. A new comics imprint, New York Review Comics. Now, at the uh, at our lead, and I, I refer to New York Review of Comics, but that's only because that's the parent company, really, of this new comics imprint, New it's York really, Review of Books. It's, yes, exactly. The magazine, the the very famous New York literary um, uh, periodical. However. In the last five to ten years, they've been launching book imprints left and right, uh, including New York Review, uh, New York Review Books, which is the book publishing um, division, and under that, New York Review Books Classics, which basically brings back in sort of wonderful books that have gone out of print years ago. Um, but it turns out a couple of editors at the magazine, and that would be Gabriel Winslow Yost, who's an editor at New York Review at the New York Review mm-hmm. of Books, and Lucas Adams, who is a former intern at the New York Review of Books. And also a former PW... And a former uh, PW... Com- P- P- yes, PW reviewer. reviewer. Yeah, comics reviewer. Shout out to, to Lucas. Um, they both got together and cooked up this idea um, to launch a comics imprint, pitched it to uh, Edwin Frank, who is, uh, I believe, the editor-in-chief of New York Review of Books uh, Classics. And they loved it. Now, after pitching it to um, the, the the book publishing group and loving it, um, uh, Gabe and Lucas then actually presented it to Robert Silvers, the legendary editor and co-founder of New York Review of Books, who I'm told uh, by Gabriel, uh, you know, is a comics fan himself, loves comics, and as a and, and as Gabriel told me, he's look, I know everyone sees New York Review of Books as like super stuffy, but there's a lot of people who love comics here and uh, I take him at his word so they're launching in March of 2016 with six they're going to publish six books a year Uh, they're going to launch with three uh, three of which I'm familiar with others are a little bit more vague to me a little obscure but one of the things they also said to me was we're not going to be just really really illiterate obscure comics we expect to do a variety of things kids comics as well as he said they're in talks about some manga 
uh, property, so we'll see. Yeah. But they're kicking it all off in March 2016 with Mark Byers Agony. He's grim but funny. <laughs> well, some find it funny, yeah. Yeah, well, I know. The humor uh, is where you find it, I suppose. Uh, in addition, they're also doing a, um, a book by Butch, uh, Peplum, and uh, bringing back Almost Completely Baxter by Glenn Baxter. Yes, uh, who's a famous English cartoonist, by the way. Uh, kind of an English yeah. gag cartoonist, I, yes. I guess you could say. So, um, yeah, you know, this line, uh, I mean, Lucas had actually told this, told me about these vague plans about this maybe, you know, quite a while ago. It's been mm. in the works for a while. And, um, uh, you know, he didn't say what they were doing. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is pretty... Heady fair. Uh, this yeah. is not. There is no agony fanfic, uh, or nor Butch fanfic, and that's just fine. Nor should there be. Um, so uh, this is definitely going to appeal to the very discerning graphic novel yeah. reader. I mean, when Agony came out, I mean, Mark Byer was kind of flying at his highest, as I recall. Um, it was a long time ago. It was, it was quite 70s. a while back. Um, though I did see Mark not too long ago at, at a cab. As a matter of fact. Oh, really? Yeah. So he, yeah, he was out and about doing. Really? Because they yeah, he was, he at a, he was at a table. Are you? A, really? Yes. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. Because they said he was no. doing his friend. No, you're no. thinking of someone else. Because, I'm thinking of someone else. Because, because excuse me, Mark. No. Because he's appearing this weekend at the Locust Moon Comic yes, Festival, and they back. said it's his first ever yes, Comic Con. I take that back. I was yeah. about. I completely. I'm completely misunderstanding that. In any event, um, uh, they're talking about you know six thousand copy printings. Um, their distributions by Penguin Random House. Digital editions are apparently in the offing. Um, so we will see. Um, anxious to always glad to see a new mm-hmm. imprint putting out good comics, and hopefully they're going to sell a few too. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's uh, exciting. More the more the merrier. Welcome. Uh, I should aboard. say some of these books have actually impressive introductions. Chris Ware is doing some introductions. Colson Whitehead is doing the introduction to um, to Agony. And down the road, um, I understand they've got some other well-known figures joining in. I don't have them in front of me right at this moment. So so you have to wait and see. All right. Get those shelves ready. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Here we go. Yeah. Chris Ware is doing uh, an introduction to Soft City by Push Wagner. I'm not familiar with any of these comics. Pretending is Lying by Dominique Goblet with an um, introduction by Sophie Yenow. So... Um, more, more to come. Yes. To say the least. More to come. All right. Um, and on that note, so what's mainstream and what isn't? Hmm. Uh, I mean, in our world. Isn't that what and we who talk gets about to every say? Who gets to decide? I mean, in our world, certainly in the traditional comics world, I mean, Marvel and DC are presented as the the mainstream and you know a a superhero it's, it's story the mainstream is mainstream of comics yes in, yeah in the comics industry i mean superheroes flying around is mainstream and a, a love story between two troubled individuals is sort of a marginal right <laughs> and then, you know, alternative and story. then from another angle yeah. within traditional publishing um graphic novels about People being angsty after they get out of graduate school is mainstream. Uh, Whereas, you know, a a comic about um, somebody who, say, eats demons is is not. Yeah, yeah. But what if mainstream is could be defined by what people are, you know, actually reading? Sure. 
Man, well, what if it mainstream was be could be a, a, a series that sold fifty million copies? Yeah, wouldn't World you think fifty two million <laughs> copies yeah, was mainstream and probably you over probably nearly three million copies in North America? Yeah, wouldn't that be considered mainstream? You would think so, wouldn't you? And it's also in the, in the traditional book world, what would be mainstream? I mean, would be a variety of genres that would fall within what you would consider. It wouldn't be one genre. Yeah. It would be a variety. I mean, as you were saying, it may be a paranormal, a little romance. And these are all yeah. fairly mainstream. So it wouldn't be, it would be a multi-genre mainstream. So wouldn't this book have a room in at least one of these mainstreams yes. somewhere? Yeah. You would think. Well, you would think. So, but we're, what we're talking about here, of course, is a worldwide manga hit, Attack on Titan. Yeah. Uh, and a very interesting story in Fortune, uh, talking about who defines, why is Attack on Titan sort of left out of the discussion? And I should say, it's not left out of the discussion around these No, not there. at W. We talk no, about Attack on Titan all the ding dong time. Because it's really, br- it's sort of dragging the manga category back into the mainstream. Into the mainstream. Well, it should be. Yeah. But if you're defining the mainstream by what the press is writing about, generally speaking, there's a sort of eerie silence around Attack it's on Titan. True. I hear about it all the time from fan circles, and very, very rarely yeah, does it show up in a professional outlet. You mean, Obviously you with think, an exception. For, do you mean professional outlets about comics, or just in general? Uh, I mean, either. It, I would say in... I would say either. Actually. Either. I don't yeah. really see well, it mentioned you know, on comic sites. You, I don't really you know, see I've, it. I have a couple... Now, I've never read Attack on Titan, although obviously I need to start, because it's it's definitely been getting more attention. I've only and read I, the first couple and of And I think that, that a couple things have happened. Like, we, we did mention that at New York Comic Con, uh, they mentioned that they are doing a... Kanansha is doing an American anthology yes. with uh, with uh, Occidental creators, yes. uh, such as Scott Doing Snyder their own take. And Tomer uh, Hanukkah. Yes. Uh, doing their own takes on Attack on Titan. And I just want to point out that, in case you are not familiar, this is a little bit of a variant on the uh, Walking Dead, Why the Last Man, End of the World scenario, where you have an unstoppable force that kills the characters in very grisly fashion, and humanity struggles to survive yes. against the attack of these fleshless giants. So it's very visual. And, um, you know, it's got a lot of appeal because who will die next? And uh, so there, anyway, but I think all and, you know, the- then all the characters angst out about... Will my friend get eaten yes. next? Yes. It's a fail. Yes. You know what? When it's done well, this yes. formula never no, fails. This society under pressure. It, yeah. makes, it makes facing extreme you know, conditions. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that the uh, this this Americanized or globalized uh, anthology probably is an attempt to just get people who wouldn't necessarily look at manga to give it a try. And, you know, sometimes it takes a while. You know, if you look yeah. at something like Pokemon, for instance, I mean... You know, this was around for a while uh, amongst the children before the parents realized what was going on. A lot of times the kids are the early adopters, and certainly the manga fans have been early adopters at Attack yeah. on Titan. But I think it will definitely uh, enter the mainstream, just as a few other things have. I would say that, like, Naruto has. And, oh, absolutely. You know, but, I mean, I think part I mean, of what makes make it... the same argument about but Naruto. I mean, I think, yeah. it's a little more... You hear people talk about it a little bit more than, right. well, say... Or Dragon Ball Z. I oh, mean, yeah, that's, yeah, Dragon Ball Z but is definitely an example. Attack on Titan is is an even different example than either of those because Naruto and Dragon Ball Z were more aimed at a younger audience. Mm-hmm, sure. Whereas Attack on Titan, while certainly popular with the teenagers of the world, is more of an adult manga. Let me ask you this, though, about Attack on Titan. 
are there strong characters in it who yes. would be recognizable who who survive? Because I mean, I think one of the things I mean, about, well, they they might die at some point, right? Yeah. Because but I, they do survive so far. Because yeah. I think one of the things that really allows people to latch on to any property is when there is a character sure. that they can. Oh, yeah, they there can are use there are the characters yeah. they can. There are many of them uh, who have not died yet. They could mm-hmm. at some point, right? And a few have, but well, you know, yeah, it's very character centric. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, you know, and it's, I haven't read. I haven't read as far, yeah. I'm sure, as you have, because I've only read the first I, uh, one I or two. I dropped in and out. And, yeah. Yeah, but um, but no, no, there are plenty of characters who have lived so far. But I do think Kodansha, and Kodansha being the the, uh, the Japanese publisher that, where it's originated, I do think this is a savvy move to bring in a bunch of. All star, you know, Western creators, uh, well, Scott Snyder, Brandon Fletcher, I uh, think Afua Richardson, to do a North American facing anthology of Attack on Titan stories. Well, well, I think it's not their shot at more sales because they've already no. got the sales. I think it's their shot at noticing the press. I think you're right about oh, that. Yeah, also, I think you're right. And, and also, you know, to make Western media pay attention. Plus, it gives them more, more things to sure. sell as a gift book at Christmas and whatever. No, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you would definitely be hearing more about Attack on Titan. I do yeah. think it's I think it's beginning to penetrate the more mainstream consciousness. But I think the question is why? Well, I mean, well, I think I know why. But I think the reason that it's so, like, why is no one talking about it is because unlike Dragon Ball Z or Naruto, which were very clearly kind of more kiddie-type properties, properties um that attack on titan has has been how shall i put this actively ignored by outlets that might have been eager to report yeah, but do you on, think that they cover do you think that they cover uh other manga titles well, I think it's more of a manga thing than. But that's that's yeah. part of what. But, but that's but, that's but the that's point. What, but what I'm trying to say is that but, you know, the see, thing is like when you read comic press things that will even they'll even cover Tintin. They'll even co- cover things that are big. They have been. I mean, Attack on Titan's just not. There. I just it's think that there. I just think that there's very few the people who are not already versed in the manga world who write about manga. I really think that's true. And you know, we had both of them here at PW, Bridget Alverson and Deb Aoki. I mean, they mm. are the top writers about manga. I mean, there's Anime News Network, of course. Yeah. But um, you know, we have them, and, uh, and that's why we we have been covering this. We, we cover it. I mean, I think you're. I think you're. Uh, you know, I think you're. You're. I, par- think- I think you're partially right about that. But I. I think it's kind of a blanket. Um, lack. I mean, I think well, there are but certain. I think Attack on Titan brings up that brink. Yes, brink yes, lack. yes, absolutely. It makes absolutely. it obvious. Yes, yes. I, I think there's been an effort in in mainstream, so-called mainstream comic circles, and even in so-called indie comic circles, to sort of kind of waiting for the manga thing to be over. And the fact is, it's not over. And yeah, it, a, it, a it, whole it, country that's obsessed with graphic novels. Eventually, that's going to be like know, fade, I mean, like the fad it is, isn't it? I mean, this is a, this is a, I mean, this is an old joke that I've said before, but you, and this is more years ago that I first heard this from a, 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 an indie comics guy, and it was the only thing that I could come up with is that um, it, it's the one thing that the superhero fanboys and the indie comics. Uh, nerds agreed on is that they both hated manga. And, and, <laughs> right, that's and, true. And they, they both hated them with a passion. 
And but manga has gone, you know, but manga was enormously popular. It was on its upswing at the time. You know, it since you know hit the recession. It hit you know piracy issues. But the fact of the matter is that's over. And it's interesting thing when we're talking about the mainstream. Even when when manga was almost two thirds of the graphic novels in the book market. It still wasn't really getting its play. It was yeah, sort of not. But you know, it was I, forced. But I people think were forced of, to give it. Its but play. I tell you, I think that's because it, it's not accessible to every single reader. And I mean, I think that just the reading backwards thing is a barrier. But the thing is sub, that people were sub, doing but it. But wait, but, but but I'm just trying to say, it's like you know what? Like, and I've learned this in my life. You, there might be one comic that you can find for every person okay but if you but you know a but, comic is for a person comics are not for a person no, that's it's true. like not everyone is going to like this kind of material well, we're not saying everyone of- is but that so many people clearly yes. did and, given the sales and it was interesting it was not and reflected the, in the, the press and the irony is that we're talking about a category of comics that far more than American comics yeah. has something but, to know, offer you, you, Every reader. But you know what I think it's like, honestly? I think it's like insane clown posse and fish. You know? I, no, I do. I mean, I think these are things that have huge You've got subcultures. to uh, acquire the taste. Well, no, no, no. But I, I mean, I think they have incredibly popular subcultures that a lot of fans are really into them. And, and manga's way bigger than and than Juggalos or fish. Uh, absolutely. Okay? But uh, but it's like, you know, like like the people that it appeals to are, are still a subculture. I, I actually have a better analogy for you, Heidi. I think that manga is like rap, where it actually should be considered mainstream. Right. It sells like hotcakes, yeah. but people who don't comprehend it make a big deal about the right. fact that they yes. don't comprehend it and act like it yes. has cooties. Absolutely, you're right. I, I, yes. I think you're absolutely right about I agree. that. Uh, it, without a doubt. And th- that notion of whether it's... The thing with manga, not only is it more popular than fish... And uh, your other example, but it's it, we're talking about more popular than Batman and, and Superman as well. Yeah, I mean it outsells the so-called comics mainstream. So, and, and like the hip hop example, I think it's going to take it's going to take a little time for the rest of the society maybe to catch up because we're we're talking about a, a category that has that really does have something for everyone, and that sells like yeah. So we'll see more to come. Without a doubt. Well, more to come included. Uh, you know, I mean, we just said that manga was probably the, the biggest story at New York Comic Con, comics wise, yeah. and uh, the appearance of uh, yeah, absolutely. Kishimoto, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, he was he was there. We we the actually, creator of Naruto, they could, yeah, absolutely. Uh, once again, uh, also a global best selling phenomenon. Um, the most famous ninja, I guess, on the planet. Uh, and our uh, our crack monk correspondents were on the scene. Um, uh, Deb talked. They were about all it. over Kishimoto. Yeah, yeah. and Bridget Alverson was there as well, and did um, our did a, had a, actually did a one on one interview with uh, Kishimoto Sensei, uh, where he talked about um, you know his development into a manga artist, about uh, why he thought Naruto was uh, so uh, um, so popular. By the way, you can go and read her coverage uh, at publishersweekly.com slash comics. We have the interview right and, there. And interestingly, one thing that really caught my eye in the interview was that Kishimoto said in response to a question about um, you know his layouts and what yes. does he create first? Yes. He says he intentionally has very simple, simple panel layouts because this is because he thinks. Okay, let's put it this way. He know he said he knows that he has 
a lot of foreign readers, mm -hmm. and he wanted to make sure that they would be able to read and understand Neruda. Particularly if they are reading from right to left. Well, I think that, you know, cartoonists who like to have accessible work uh, as much as possible is, is something that is... Uh, you know, there's a reason why Jeff Smith and Raina Telgemeier are the most successful American cartoonists, and it isn't because they have really crazy layouts, you know? Now, Chris yeah. Ware might be an example of people really get into that sort yeah. of stuff, too. So, you know, you have the two extremes. You know, a creator, this is very tangential, but, um, you know, there's another creator. We just had the book that came in for review, and it got a start review, was, uh, um, now I'm totally, Shigeru Mizuki's Hitler. You oh, know. Yes, yes, and you know, yes, you know, yes. there is this other side of manga that you know, drawn a quarterly and fanographics have had a lot of success yes. publishing what would be considered kind of literary manga. Yeah, I'm making little air quotes, by the way, or gekita. Yes. But um, you know, I think these books are really incredible. And Mizuki is such an incredible. You know, he's a World War II vet who lost yes. his arm, and is 93 years old. And I think he still cartoons, and he's still alive. And yeah. you know, when you talk about the mainstream, and you want to talk about, he also created a horror comic in Japan that's among the most famous horror characters ever of uh, yokai monster yes comic. yes yes yeah mm. and uh you know we want to talk about greatest living cartoonist mm. i mean this guy is a really strong contender so uh you know i mean there's a lot there's definitely a lot out there so um and i i thought it was very interesting also in the kishimoto interview uh where um uh, bridget asked him he, apparently he has done he did a crime manga that was sort of set in new york and uh Bridget asked him, sort of, now that you've visited New York, yeah. you know, what, how does it, you know, stack up against your imagination? Of, he said, well, to paraphrase, he said, I, I think the next time I do a set of set a story somewhere I want to visit it first so well yeah. this is like the first time he left Japan yeah. practically the first time he left his house I mean the guy had to delay his honeymoon for 10 years while he finished <laughs> yes, Naruto. He Naruto so um, you know I mean more power to him for getting, yeah. uh, getting out and about a little bit more and enjoying life on the outside <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and you know before we move into the next thing, um, I can't remember, but we were going to mention uh, very quickly that Adrian Tomine, um was interviewed at the um, 92nd Street Y by actually an interesting guy, Charles McGrath. And Charles McGrath is the New York Times writer who wrote that famous New York Times ah, magazine yes, piece. yes, the magazine. What was it, eight, nine years ago? Yeah, it was quite a while ago, uh, yeah. Was, you know, I mean, there was a lot of back and forth. It was kind of a boys club piece. Uh, On the other hand... What that, what famous article, Calvin? Please it, tell our listeners. Uh, it is. It was an article about the growing of the literary graphic. I think novel. it came out in about two thousand six, something like and, that, or possibly two, maybe before I that. Have looked but this it up was beforehand. on. It was a cover story in the New York Times magazine. It was a magazine. cover story. And and this it had is a, long. It had a famous before, photo yes. of Art Spiegelman and his acolytes. Uh, yeah, Art Spiegelman, no Chester, women. Chester Brown. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Tomine was right. on the cover, was, Adrian, and, was one uh, and there was one other, Joe Seth, Sacco. Joe Seth, Seth, was Seth a, might have been Seth on there. Seth was in there. Um, you know, we, I don't want to mangle it. Oh, no. uh, I should say that, that actually I talked with uh, McGrath prior to him writing the article. I mean, the, the, uh -huh. I, Calvin was the I early influencer. Oh, uh, I wasn't stuff. the only one, but... Oh, uh, here he, we go. He, yeah, July 11th, 2004. Thank yes, you, Yes, yes. He actually so put guess. in a lot of... He was, he was a literary guy, not a comics fan. Now, people can, can argue about the article, but the fact is, he went in knowing nothing and came out 
a comics or certainly a literary yeah. comics fan. And he would definitely this was a very, very, very that, influential article. It was extremely and, influential. Uh, that definitely, Let me guess. They were all white men. Yes. Well, Adrian Tomine is not white. He's not white. Okay. And uh jo, you know, Joe Sacco's from Malta, yeah. so uh you know it, so but they're all part? bald. That yes, was the yeah. <laughs> and that created some and they all have balls. Yeah. But what uh, what, <laughs> what what was the list? Oh did you did you name you know, the I list can't, of I, they don't no. have the cover. Have Interesting the photo, is uh, the photo I have it archived on the beat, which is why I never take down my archives but uh yeah i have the cover it was there. a very influential it was a very influential for for what was then mm. i mean we're just we're talking about the you know the third rail the unreachable quadrant which yeah. was still teen vogue but you know at this time in 2004 certainly calvin you could attest to that and i i was uh, doing the beat at that time but in a smaller format uh the new york times magazine cover story would have been a really un- unbelievable oh, coup. Yeah. And it was. And it was very... Infl- and it really yes. did open a lot of doors for white men to tell stories about their frustrated sex lives in comics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we sit here, uh, let's see, 11 years later, uh, we've opened the door to a lot more things, which is really awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Adrian is... Uh, I love his new book. I think it's a leap forward oh, for him, really. Love, Killing yes. and Dying. It took yes. him seven years to do. Yeah. Um, there's been a little bit of blowback online saying that his female characters aren't that strong, and I, you know, which I think is a legitimate criticism, but... Uh, I guess. But, I guess, but I, it's also I mean, like, uh, you know... I mean, I, maybe in some of the stories, but in... Certainly I just in, think it's such a beautifully made oh, book. It's, it's cool. just the it's, cartooning it's, it's is like beautifully drawn incredible. and beautifully written. And certainly, yeah. that sort of was McGrath's point that, yeah. in, in his his view, um, uh, Tomina is one of the, if not one of the best writers of comics. Yeah, but I would actually argue, you know, another little news as we record this, um, uh, that uh, just today on uh, Hazlitt. I don't know how you say that aloud. I only read it on the internet. Uh, magazine, an online magazine published by Random House. Uh, they just started serializing some stories by uh, Jillian Tamaki. Wow. And uh, the first one is out. It's uh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think Jillian is as good as Adrian. Oh, I don't think <laughs> and, there's any Yeah, doubt. there's no question about that. And, you know, so not just uh, Asian men can do these stories. Asian women can yes, do them absolutely. as well. That's awesome. <laughs> but no, there's a whole, I mean, this is, could be the whole topic of an enormous podcast where we talk about these kind of literary fiction comics and how they develop. Because I, I think they've really just developed in so many amazing and directions and Jillian's certainly in the forefront of that and um you know there is uh an, an incredible incredible stuff coming and you know talking about manga Calvin aren't you just did a podcast or a webcast yes. pardon me yeah well we as we sit here tonight the webcast will be done tomorrow uh, we, uh, and, and actually you can go to publishersweekly.com slash webcast because uh, it will be archived and you know anybody can go and hear it so uh, uh, we are planning to, to do it and we're going to be talking with um, Viz and with Yen Press, and we're going to be talking, it's called Manga Bounces Back. So to some extent, it's going to be about where manga uh, has come since the recession and since it kind of um, uh, hit, hit a wall. But it's bounced back. Uh, the fact of the matter is um, manga never went away. Uh, if you went to, if you looked at any of the manga conventions, they were getting bigger and stronger. People just reading their uh, manga online for free illegally. That yep. said, um, the Japanese licensors have gotten smarter. Uh Digital and brought edition. things out faster. They're bringing things out faster. They are giving digital access to North Americans. Uh, it's driving print sales as well. Everyone seems to be happy. Viz is on Comixology. Um, you know, uh, so it's called Manga Bounces Back. Uh, check publishersweekly.com slash webcast and you can um, hear the discussion. Uh, let's move on to... So, in briefs, Calvin, 
you have a brief for us. Uh, there's a biography of Tezuka coming oh, out yes, yes, in yes. manga yeah. form. Yeah, uh, this is going to be, uh, I think, a, a blockbuster, certainly in North America. As I understand it, it, it was, it's been huge in Japan. It's really... Uh, <laughs> uh, it's very mainstream in Japan. It's very mainstream in Japan. <laughs> they don't have to make a, make a case for it. But I, I think we're going to see a similar, um, certainly among the, the manga community here. But really, it's a mammoth uh, manga biography of, of, of the god of manga. Uh, Usamu Tezuka um, by Toshio Ban, I believe his name is, who, if I'm not mistaken, was an assistant of his in the yeah. 70s. Um, it is going to be translated by Frederick Schott, you know, the 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 manga guy for translations. Um, I actually did a story about it's being brought up by Stonebridge Press, which is a small press based in California that focused on well, it focuses on Japanese uh, pop culture. But it has expanded its reach actually in the last year or two to China. So it's a, a broader Asian focus a little bit. But, but Japanese culture is its primary focus. Um, the uh, owner there, Peter Goodman, uh, in a story that I did probably about uh, six months ago, um, uh, mentioned in the story that it's going to be one of their big books for 2016. So it's coming out in the spring. Uh, I think this is going to really be... Um, I, well... Uh, Tezuka brings the whole manga community together in ways that you, you, I guess only Jack Kirby could be described it in the way, you know, for Western comics. So this is an exciting event. Um, and I expect PW to be doing some timely interviews uh, around this book uh, well before it comes out. And speaking of... 900 pages, by the way. Yeah, so and it goes right next to that giant Milton Kniff and Harvey Kurtzman tomes. <laughs> yes, <actually>. yes. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of... Uh, Jack Kirby and his ilk, Bill Finger, co-creator of Batman, has finally, on the pages of Batman comics from DC, gotten her, his own little eternal credit next to Bob Kane. Yes, I think this was a product of some negotiation behind the scenes between the yes. Finger family and, and DC Comics. And also overdue. on uh, the recent um, uh, Robot Chicken uh, DC Special, they noted that Black Lightning was created by Tony Isabella and uh, Trevor Von Eden, which is another long-standing kind yeah. of feud, and uh, uh-huh. so it's very nice to see that character get mentioned and get the, the, the creators uh, given credit. Now, interestingly, um, Bill Finger is credited in a very careful way, which makes a lot of people speculate on what exactly was in Bob Kane's contract, because it says... It's phrased, unusually, it's phrased, Batman was created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Yeah. Because for some reason, it's... They think it's for legal reasons. They can't use the word and. No, I'm sure. I'm sure sure they can't. I'm sure they can't. But on the other hand, like... Before the other it hand, one, of the, the same one of the big uh, features of the Eisner's every year is the Bill Finger Award, yeah. where this whole story is recounted yes. in great yes. detail. It, I, I, one of the many traditions of the yeah. Eisner's, where each year the Afikoman is given to the youngest, and then, uh, anyway. And they point out <laughs> that Bill Finger's been getting, getting screwed for several, for you know, eight or nine decades. So yeah, it's, it's, it's time uh, that, uh, obviously, the DC caught up with the rest of the world. Yeah. And they have, so it's long overdue. Well, I know, but 
the, you know, well, as Kate points out, there are actual contracts in place uh, written yes, by which they seem to have that were signed around. when Bob Kane was a teenager. So yes. hopefully his parents signed them, or else they're invalid anyway. Yes. But uh, anyway, uh, deep well, deep I, mysteries I, of the I origins talk, of comics. I did talk with a lawyer friend who actually had done some looking into this, and he said the contract was was pretty clear. So uh, that reminds me, I'm going to talk with this guy again. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few years and he mentioned check this in. to me. Time yeah, to check, check in. in. Yeah. So anyway. Um, okay. And one more brief. The UN, specifically uh, Maud Debor Bucuccio, UN Special Envoy on Child Protection, um, has said that the UN... Um, is attempting to get Japan to ban quote-unquote extreme child pornographic con- content manga should be banned. Now, a lot of people are speculating on what that could be and how many things would fall under it. For example, would the character actually need to be a child or... Would they be upset at any, say, Moe character who is drawn as, you know, enormous eyes the size of their head and excessively cute and immature looking involved I in I think there are content? some people who uh, objected to this on the grounds that it wasn't actual children uh, yeah. involved in the yeah. pornography, obviously. Uh, and it, this material is incredibly disturbing. No two ways about it. But, um, yeah. you know, no one is actually and, injured in the making of it. And so furthermore, it's yeah. like... Well, it was not entirely clear even where they drew the line of, well, you know, it, content. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even begin to to speculate about this. I mean, clearly, no one wants, you know, uh, to look the other way for... You know, for actual for, for, for hurting child of actual abuse, children. For trafficking material that, that uh, is about sexual abuse. But then so much of manga is cute drawings of sexual... Beings, beings that are not intended to be kids. No, that but very the often stylization. by authorities and yeah, um, victimize people for having this material. Yeah, I mean there was a famous so. case that you know the CBLDF took. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where yeah. a gentleman was going into Canada with actually just basically a humor image on his yeah. hard yeah. drive. I mean they finally when they finally showed the stuff that he got caught for, it was so minimal. I mean it was absolutely appalling. As much as we love our Canadian neighbors. That uh, was this was really yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. um, you Canadian not, prudes. Yeah, but it's not embarrassing if you're like arrested, put in a jail, and no. your, your computer is like no. You know, yeah. Seized. So I think I think um, the the so, real worry is not so much what about the pedophiles, but the fact that the uh, enforcing hand of the law tends to be rather heavy and not understand manga very yeah, well. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. we, we we proceed with caution, um, and uh, we want to be clear that you know. People are allowed to read manga <laughs> freely on their devices and carry them around or in books. And, um, you know, we've got to come up with a better yeah. way to decide. But, I, you know, <laughs> at the same point, at the same time, the long you know, way, Moe is a thing. Now, you know, there's so many misconceptions about about mm. Japan and how culture is perceived there. Yeah. You know, and, and there's so many things that go on that we just don't get either. Yes. But, you know, one of the most famous things is like, oh, you can buy panties in a vending machine. You know, there is some vending machines. It's not like every single street corner has a panty vending machine, all right? And like Moe, I've never been clear to me. Like how popular it is in Japan? It's, is it? it's very popular because it's to the point where well, there are a lot of 
Well, Kate's uh, been okay. to Japan, so she knows way more about well, it than we do. Well, it wasn't so much because I was in Japan, but because there are a lot of genres of manga that I theoretically enjoy, mm-hmm. but moe is visually not my thing. Right. So, you know, I'd be like, oh, hey, look, and then it would be like, oh, it's moe again. The yeah. point, it's not, a, that art style is less popular with Americans, right. generally speaking. Right. So, you know, some people refer to, oh, these characters are moe blobs again. Yeah. Um, where, you know, there are, it's just a very, very popular visual style in Japan, and it's, uh, it is mainstream, and it's taken over a lot of genres. Mm-hmm. So I can see that it would also take over more x-rated genres as well mm-hmm. and this could lead to some confusion right but i i mean i think that the the way that some of these you know sexualized situations with are are, are depicted depicted or or set up mm-hmm. actually is something that we find a little bit more uh disturbing you know, disturbing and underground here definitely mm-hmm. because they're more underground where it does seem to be a little bit more overground but now you didn't see any panty vending machines while you're there right i did not see any <laughs> panty vending machines but you bet you saw plenty of weird things I by, saw our, plenty of by weird our things. standards weird I, things. I saw plenty of things that to an american even american steeped in fan culture were kind of like Huh. <laughs> For example, um, apparently there are entire like video and comic game character themed uh, pachinko gambling parlors because apparently licensed character gambling is bigger there than here. Who knew? Yeah. So you although, could go to the, oh go on. I'm sorry. Although you know, to be fair, I did once see an American casino, a Stargate Atlantis themed slot machine yeah so you know we we're going to talk about looking forward but you know what let's save that till next time when we have more time what do yeah, you think because you know what idea. i think that means there's more to come <laughs>